We are getting into the mailbag. Layups versus three-pointers. Jason Tatum's dwindling post-ups. Drew Holiday at the rim. And Christoph Porzingis' text and more. It's all right now on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O.B. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. It's right here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day right here. I've got you every day. Free, fresh podcast that drops directly to your device if you subscribe. So go ahead, become an everyday or subscribe. Get this podcast, listen to it every Monday through Friday. Plus, bonus podcasts if they play on the weekend. So sometimes six, sometimes seven days a week. Watch a show on YouTube. Let me know what you think in the comments there about how the team's playing, about what I'm saying, all of that stuff. If you're new, I'm John Corrales. I used to play a long time ago. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal and for you because you need to know what's going on with the Celtics. And I'm there. I'm there every day. I'm there on the road uh, for some of these games. I'm just uh, fully entrenched in the Celtics. The 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 performance of the last three nights had uh, I figure this is a good time to to do a mailbag because there's some questions here about just how they've been playing. Uh, let me just start with they're two and one in their last three. Uh, good teams have bad stretches, and when you win the games where you have bad stretches, that's really good, right? That's going to be really that's a really good thing to only lose one of those games. Look around the league. Look around the league at, the, at some of the losing streaks that teams are on. And you can appreciate the uh, the wins here. But let's get into the questions. Uh, let's start with Ivan. Or is it Yvonne? I don't know. I'm going to say Ivan. He says, after the Memphis game, you said that Boston didn't shoot as much uh, as they had to. Uh, instead, they attacked the paint. Could that be that it was in, uh, Joe's initial strategy? He uh, basically wants me to explain their, their strategy here of layups versus three-pointers. So I thought this is a good opportunity to kind of explain what the Celtics are doing. Uh, and in that game against Memphis, they they attacked. I think Joe has been vocal about some of these games where they attack and they get to the rim early, and they think that every time they, they attack, it's just going to be a layup. And sometimes they force layups just like you can force any other shot, right? You go one on two, one on three. And what ends up happening is if you don't get fouled, what ends up happening is on the other end, you end up giving up a five on four, or four on three or five on three. And you end up in a, in a disadvantaged situation. You'll hear the, the announcers say it every once in a while. How often have you seen it? You, you'll miss a layup on one end. You give a layup, you give up a layup on the other end. There, it's almost like this concept has has been slow to get picked up. Uh, just like the the concept of three point shooting has been slow to get picked up. The reality is, if you're going to the rim and you're just blindly going to the rim, 
and you're not really concerned about two guys there, three guys there. You're just like attack, 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 attack. And it's always going to be just attack regardless of everything. Well, that sounds right. Like we've been conditioned to believe, and I had been conditioned to believe that every time you attack the rim, it's fine. And, and there are times when you need to, like it was the opposite of the Memphis game against Charlotte where they, they fell so in love with the jumper that they didn't attack enough. There's a balance there. So the, the approach for the Celtics, the approach for Joe Missoula is always, yeah, you attack, you can probe, you can get into the middle of the paint, but then make the right read. It's always about the right read. And in certain games, that read is going to result in 35 three-pointers. And in certain games, it's going to result in 55 three-pointers. And the whole thing is, are you making the right read? Are you doing the right thing? Are you making the right play? Because if you're not, then something goes wrong. And forcing a three is wrong, just like forcing a layup is wrong. The whole point of it is to move the defense around to a point where you're not forcing any kind of shot. The shots that you get are just good shots. And it's impossible to get 100% good shots because some guys are just going to force things. Sometimes you're just going to get into those situations. But you do have to understand that if you're attacking and it's a one-on-three or it's contested, the percentages on contested layups are lower than open corner threes. The open corner three is a higher percentage shot than a contested layup. So that's why that's how they the, the, the offense is spread out like that. So Tatum can get to the rim, and some guys just finish at the rim no matter what, right? And so the the approach is a little bit different for different players. Some guys just like mid-range. You know, some guys you just take those shots. Sometimes there's just it, – it, it varies. It's not universal. But the overarching idea for the Celtics and their offense, it's not to not take layups. It's not to take a certain amount of three-pointers. It's what's the right shot at that time? How are you being defended? What What's open? Where's the help coming from? And if it's an open three-pointer, if a guy's two feet from the rim and he's got two people closing in on him, then you know what? Then you kick it. You've done your job. You've gotten to the paint. You've collapsed the defense. Kick it out. And so... It's hard because sometimes those look like you're passing up on layups, but I'm telling you that I I understand the concept here of the balance between both. And there has to be a balance. There always has to be a balance. So that's where the Celtics offense is. There's no mandate to say you have to take this many three-pointers. However, the the way the Celtics play, you're just naturally going to end up taking a lot of three pointers, right? That their philosophy, early offense philosophy, drive and kick philosophy, five out philosophy, those type of things are naturally going to result in generating a lot of three pointers. But there's no you need 50, you need 40, you need 55, whatever. It's whatever the game requires. And, and that varies from game to game. Uh, Brandon, 
says, we were all very excited about Tatum's game in the post for the first five or six games. To my uneducated eye, it seems to have disappeared in the last five or six games. Uh, so you're not wrong. And it, it's hard because the NBA stats page doesn't allow me to break it down over certain dates, this particular statistic. But I will say this. At the beginning, when when uh, Tom Westerholm and I did a podcast a few weeks ago, we were talking about Jason Tatum with a 14.4% frequency of post-ups. Well, that number's down to 11.3, so it's dropped 3%. So that means you go 3% the other way, and and he's he's been posting up. Uh, I don't, maybe maybe you don't go three percent the other way, but you go further the other way because if it's dropped to eleven point three, that means that first fourteen point four is now being dragged down by a number below that eleven point three. So I don't know what the number really is, but it's got to be. I think it's going to be into the single digits. Got to be below ten percent for for him to to drop that far. Now you got to remember. Uh, there have been games against Joel Embiid. There was a game against Rudy Gobert. There have been some games here against shop blockers, and that's naturally going to depress some of what those numbers are. But uh, I will say that I have noticed also that the post-ups have been a little bit more infrequent. Not completely gone away, but more infrequent. He's still getting... 1.35 points per possession, which uh, at the beginning it was 1.36. So the number hasn't really changed at all. So he's still scoring when he's doing it. He's just been doing it less. The The early numbers, the early season numbers can, can have wild swings. So against a certain opponent coming up, maybe he'll have a few more and that number will pop up. He's posting still a ton more than he has last season. and But I do agree. The Celtics need to get back to that. They need to get back to him posting up. And, and however they need to do it, even if there's a shot blocker in there, got to find a way to get him in there where that shot blocker pulled away so he can get to that money shot. Uh, it's 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 in a very effective, effective way to, to score. All right, my, many more questions here, uh, including Drew Holiday's. Misses at the rim, and he's missing a whole lot more at the rim this year. We'll talk about that next. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily fantasy draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to get you players guaranteed to fit your roster. So here's this week's Josh Lloyd, eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. He's got five. Alex Caruso is in there. Eric Gordon is in there. Bradley Beal still out. A lot of people might have dropped Eric Gordon, thinking that Beal was coming back. If he's still available, not bad. Not a bad pickup. Jaden Ivey's back in the starting lineup. Who knows what the hell's going on with him? Uh, Kyle Anderson with Jaden McDaniels out for a week could be a, a good pickup. And he also mentions Santi Aldama, who... I mean, if you haven't picked up Santi Aldama after what you saw against uh, the Celtics in Memphis, then have you learned nothing from Brad Stevens? Have you learned nothing about picking up the guy who continues to torture you? If you've had a big game against the Celtics, Brad Stevens is interested. And Santi Aldama had a huge game against the Celtics and almost beat them. So considering 
how hard Memphis plays, even though they've struggled, he's a good pickup. Josh Lloyd from Fantasy, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is not about each player being uh, – the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Let me make sure that that's read correctly. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. And at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Go check out this super cool thing that we've launched here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So pop it on, leave it on. It's background noise. It's get, get your attention noise. It's everything that you want in a in a 24-hour, seven days a week streaming channel. It's Lockdown Sports Today. It's on YouTube. Subscribe. The first ever national sports 24-7 screaming, streaming channel. Or screaming channel. Maybe so maybe there's some screaming. There's got to be a 24-hour screaming channel somewhere, right? People people like that stuff. People like weird stuff. Yeah. Like mailbags. <laughs> Ted asks, did you see, did it seem to you that the Celtics had trouble when Toronto and Memphis played very physical defense on the perimeter? It looked like those teams blew up actions again and again by refusing to be screened. Is it a focus issue? Did you see the same thing? If so, what's the counter? The counter is more screens. <laughs> Rescreen. If they refuse to be screened, rescreen. Set it on one side, flip it around, turn it around, set it on the other. They can't avoid them all. So set set more screens, rescreen, stagger screens, set multiple screens on a play, right? Catch the guy in, in different ways. You just got to change up your attacks. Uh, slip screens. Make it so if they're switching, then slip the screen. Make it so they think like they're gonna if they're gonna fight. It's it's a very classic strategy uh, that you learn. You learn in the martial arts. You learn you you use your opponent's momentum against them. So it's a you know if if they're really being physical, then you use that physicality against them to pull them out of position. You know, flip the screen and, and get open. Uh, the Celtics can. That's fine. They they can handle physical defenses. That that that's fine. So, um, I, I I think more so than anything physical that the other teams were doing. I think Boston was just not not playing up to their full capability. I think uh, when they 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 were just they just weren't quite as motivated to take on Memphis and Charlotte and Toronto for that matter. So I think that played into it a little bit more as well. Greg says, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it seems like Drew Holiday misses a lot of open baskets right at the rim. Uh, I don't have the stats to back me up, but each game I watch, I miss two plus wide open looks and I pull my hair out. Uh, well, I do have the stats to back you up there. Greg, he's shooting 56.8% in the restricted area. That's down from 68.3% last year and 62% the year before. By contrast, other wings, guards that get to the rim, Jason Tatum is finishing at 70, just about 72% in the restricted area. 
Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is shooting over 66.3%. He gets to the rim all the time. DeMar DeRozan's at about 70. Kyrie Irving, he's known for getting to the rim, shoots at 61.2. So Holiday is indeed struggling in the restricted area. So good observation to Greg. That's something that is just, he, he has to fix. And there's no, nothing else other than finish your shots at the rim, buddy. Like you got to finish those. You got to. And that could just be a comfort issue, a um, being uncomfortable with the role still in the offense, which should not be a surprise if that's the case, because he did, he did get here at the beginning of October or middle of October. So it's still not through November. Like, like I know it's been a little while, but there's still some kind of like reacclimation here going on. So he's, he has to be better at that for sure. I think he will get better at that. He's generally good at that. So, I mean, at 68.3, that that's a pretty high level from last season. No reason for him to not be finishing at that level this year. So I I'm willing to bet early season, big fluctuations in the, in the statistics by the all-star break, Greg, check it again. Let me know. Uh, I'll check those stats again. I'm going to bet that he gets back up over 60% by the all-star break because that's kind of where he normally settles. Uh, on a related note, Todd says they're going to wear out Holiday like they did Horford last year. He's 33, guarding bigs, 35-plus minutes a night. He won't have legs for the ends of games or playoffs. Brown and Tatum have to play defense instead of relying on Horford and Holiday. And that's a good point. It's a good point here. Holiday is being asked to do a lot. And at 33 years old, let's talk about him. Let's combine all of the stuff he's doing defensively and tie that into his drop in the restricted area. Because maybe he's tired. Maybe he's just, he's been doing so much defensively and in a, such a different way that maybe he's a little worn down and he's not, he doesn't have the same legs that he's had and being 33. So now you add the change in scenery. You have new teammates learning your new role, guarding, guarding guys like in a, a defense that you like, you've never played before. And at 33, like, Hey, it's just how it is. Hate to tell you things change as you get older. I know that for sure. So yeah, maybe, maybe the Celtics need to rethink the, the workload that they're putting on Drew Holiday, maybe just a little bit, maybe there's, maybe they save some of how he's defending for the playoffs and get to a little bit more of a traditional thing, or, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that Brad Stevens can address because that's, that, that's, that's a good point by Todd. Donnie says, Hey, uh, Sam Hauser, how about him? Uh, I think he's an underrated player in this league. I know it's still extremely early, but he's averaging 10 points a game on 50, 47 and a half and 100, uh, shooting splits with 72% true shooting. This was before the Charlotte game. So, and while being an above average defender, do you think he benefits from playing against other teams, second units? I think he just benefits from being better. I think he's become a better defender and, and the word I think it will start to filter out. Like you can challenge 
Sam Hauser if you want, but it's not going to go as well as you think. Now, sometimes it will, but not all the time. It's He's not the exact same target that you, he used to be. So just shout out to him for being that kind of defender. He is he he's not quite as like he's not quite a three and D guy, but the three and the D are coming along. Uh, okay, bad shooting night against Charlotte, but he's he's capable of giving the Celtics twenty plus minutes a game, uh, thirty plus minutes a game, I should say, and that's something that is uh, pretty good, pretty new, and something they can rely on. So does he benefit from second units? Maybe. Maybe we saw him struggle against the first unit against Charlotte. Might just be a coincidence. But, yeah, he he, he gets plenty of run in, in critical times, too. So I just think that he's just gotten better. He's a better basketball player. We'll wrap up the mailbag with questions about technical fouls and shot clock and game clock and, and rolling the ball and a couple of questions about me or one question about me. That's next. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Our good friends at FanDuel want to help you out. If you're a new customer, they got a great deal for you. It's what makes them America's number one sports book. You new customers, you get a $150, uh, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. You place a $5 winning money line bet, boom, you got $150 in bonus bets. Your team just has to win once and you get the 150 bucks. So now's a great time to join FanDuel if you've been thinking about it. You get your basic stuff, your spreads, player props, over-unders. Uh, you've got your in-game parlays. You can stack a bunch of bets together, and they kind of combine to get you a bigger payout. I heard Matt Moore talking on the Lockdown NBA podcast about you can stack awards. You can you can parlay oh. oh Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get going here. They're an official partner of the NFL. Just ask you, take advantage of their tools. Take advantage of them allowing you to set limits and have some fun with it without putting yourself at real risk so you can please gamble responsibly. Thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the SiriusXM app Every Celtics game, the Celtics were are going to be playing Wednesday night. This is the Wednesday show, so tonight they are playing the Milwaukee Bucks. It's going to be on ESPN. Do you not want to listen to the ESPN crew? Sure, no problem. Download the SiriusXM app, sign up, search Celtics, and you'll get Grandy and Max. So go check that out. Uh, you can sync it up. I've done it before. You can sync it up on your on your TV, and you get the radio call with the TV broadcast. It's a fun way to watch a game and get a little local flavor if the local broadcast isn't available to you. Let's wrap up the mailbag. Let's get into the final batch of questions. Malachi says, should we be worried about all the technical fouls being called on Kristaps Porzingis? No, I am not worried about those technical fouls because only a couple have been the unsportsmanlike techs. Everything else has been a weird tech. He got a defense of three seconds. He was hanging on the rim. He got a flop. Like those aren't all bad techs. I, I think if he was mouthing off and, and pulling like a, a Boogie Cousins or like the old Rashid Wallace, like, yeah, no, that's so I think he had a, a stretch of like weird, goofy technical fouls in a row, but 
no, I'm not worried about those at all. Lance says, hey, John, can you explain the shot clock and game clock mechanics when a team is rolling the ball up the court? I always thought both clocks started when a player touches the ball, but it seems the last couple of years, one of the clocks runs while the ball is on the court. So here's what happens. Outside of the last two minutes of the game, the clock runs after every made shot, but the shot clock doesn't start until the ball is touched by a person. So it's like if I inbound the ball and I just throw a bounce pass and it bounces a couple times before it gets to Derek White, who, by the way, is going to play. No, no one in the injury report for the Milwaukee Bucks game. So those times that it bounces, it the clock hasn't started until it touches Derek White's hands. So the, the shot clock, the game clock outside of the last two minutes runs. So they come down, the other team makes a shot, boom. The Celtics inbound the ball is five minutes left and they're up by 15. You just roll the ball in and the, the, the game clock just keeps on running, keeps on going, keeps on going, but the shot clock doesn't start until somebody touches it. So that's why you see teams kind of do that from time to time. Uh, but in the last two minutes of the game and in overtime, the clock stops after a made shot. So just watch for that. That's that's why teams do that sometimes. They want to, whether they're playing a game, whether they're play, playing a two-for-one game or something like that, that's... Um, that's why that happens, and that's why the clock moves or doesn't move. Ty asks, Hi, John. Since you played professionally in Greece, are you closer to Scal than he is to LeBron, or is Scal still closer to LeBron than he is to you? Um, I want to be very clear about this. Every NBA player is closer to LeBron than I am to any NBA player. In my prime, I was never close to the NBA which is why I played in Greece. <laughs> okay. Um, Scal. And now LeBron is LeBron. And it's a far cry from Scal to LeBron, but NBA players are closer to LeBron than I ever was to an NBA player. Um, I'm thankful that professional leagues existed that allowed somebody like me to go play and get paid and experience the uh, atmosphere of your job being basketball, it was an incredible experience. There's nothing quite like waking up and having to, like your job is, I've got to go lift. I got to go practice. I'm going to go to lunch. I'm going to go lift. Then I'm going to take a nap. And then we're going to have a second session. Like that's your job. Uh, it was incredible, but uh, the NBA is so far and away an elite league that I would never, I will never, ever pretend that I was anything close to an NBA player. Um, so that's, that's that I was, I was pretty good for my, for my day. I was pretty good for, you know, you know, in general, in the grand scheme of things of all the players of that, who play basketball in the world, I was in a, in a top, I was in the top part of the percentage, you know, uh, but you want to say what top 25% of the world or whatever, but the, the NBA is like the top, like 1% of the world. 
less than 1% of the world. Like they're just that much better. So I always want to be clear about that. Um, yeah. Adam, we'll finish with this. I've been really happy with the folks running our local broadcasts. It seemed like they've had Brad Stevens like consistently adding talent like Amina Smith, Eddie House, now Drew Carter, who seems to mesh well with Scal and Abby. And that doesn't even include Mike Gorman. Not sure how often you watch, but curious for your thoughts on the team and the quality of the broadcast. Well, I do watch because even if I'm at the games, I'll generally rewatch. Occasionally I miss a rewatch because I'm traveling or back to backs and it's hard to rewatch a game. And you just keep moving forward. But I've got to watch the game again on TV. I'm not watching any coaches' film or anything like that. I'm watching the broadcast. So I'm I'm listening and I I and I do cover a lot of games from home. I don't go to every road game, so I'm watching from home and listening and i agree listen man this is boston this is boston this is this is a top market in the country so you know boston new york uh la the these are big time tv markets and just like they're big time markets where you should get big time players you should be getting big time talent on your broadcast so boston is a destination for people like Amina or Drew Carter. You know, Drew is a young guy, but he's out here. Uh, he, he's a talented young guy. Like, this is like a, a great pickup. Amina is a talented studio host. She's really good. Uh, so this is people leave other cities to come work in Boston in television. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that, and and not only that, let me be clear, the people behind the scenes are really, really good. You got people behind the scenes. People come to Boston to work behind the scenes. You've got producers, directors, you got all sorts of people involved with every aspect from lighting to writing to editing. Like that all goes into making this, these shows, these game broadcasts look like how they look. So you see Scal and Drew, Scal and Mike, um, Abby on the sidelines, and they're they're all top, top, top notch. But also you have behind them people directing the game and the studio shows, producing the game and the studio shows, writing, uh, like I said, editing, putting, like creating, creating the graphics, creating the lighting to make sure everybody looks good. All of that stuff, the sound quality, the mix on the sound. So the announcers are the right volume above the crowd, but the crowd noise is still there to give you that, that feel, that atmosphere. That all goes into making the quality broadcast that you're used to. And let me tell you something. If any one of those little things is off, you notice, you realize, like, I can't hear the crowd. Or it sounds like the announcers are yelling at me or whatever. Like that, that mix has to be just right. The lighting has to be just right. You start seeing shadows on people's faces. They don't look quite as good. It, it's, it's all, it's all a gigantic, gigantic team. Now I, I want to shout all those people out because when I was working in TV, I did do some on air work, but I also did a bulk of my career behind the scenes. So I know the people that you're never, you're never know their names, you know, except, you know, on Twitter, but 
you'll never you'll never know the the majority of the people who are behind the scenes and they don't run credits anymore they used to run credits so you can get everybody like everybody's name you don't do that anymore which is a shame but there's a lot of people there's a lot of people that go into that and i got to make sure they all get their their shine so yeah man it's an elite it's it's the Celtics are an elite team boston is an elite tv market and it shows up in the quality of the people that you see and the quality of the people you don't. And it's awesome. I love that stuff. I love all of that stuff. You know, my, my final thoughts here on that is like, I, I just, I love being a creative person. I love just like all of those people, you, we're, we're all creating something. We're all creating content and, and, broadcast and we're all figuring out a way to deliver something to you so you can consume it. It's just like, it's just like a chef. It's just like anything like that or any kind of storyteller, anybody that there's, there's so much that goes into the, the production of, of that show. Just the, like the fun, uh, just the fun things that they do, the little quips, the little graphics, all of that stuff like that all means something. So I, I just want to, I don't know. I'm rambling, so I'm going to stop. But I, I just, I just love the fact that there's so many people that work so hard, and like being able to come up with ideas, little things, little nuances that make things so great, and that people appreciate that. I love the fact that there was a question, even about it, and that somebody noticed it because it's worth noticing. Thanks everybody for uh, sending the email questions in. Uh, mailbag is at johncorrales.com slash mailbag johncorrales.com slash mailbag that's where you submit the questions that's the only place i'm going to see them don't dm them don't pop them in the comments i just i this is the only way in my hectic day-to-day that i am going to see your questions so please this is it johncorrales.com slash mailbag uh thank you everybody for submitting that thank you uh for listening thank you for subscribing Thank you for being an everydayer, Monday through Friday, bonus podcasts on the weekends. Thank you for sharing the podcast and telling your friends, telling everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team, every day.